Welcome to the AccuSmile Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. Hi, Sprouts. 
Welcome back to the show. In today's episode, I am chatting with Michelle Champion. Michelle is a practitioner in Northern California who works for Lake County Tribal Health. So this was something that I think about, or here's something that I think about every time I make a major decision, and that is, what have I not asked about the situation? What don't I know? And in that light, I sort of want, I definitely want to bring you this interview because this might be something that you hadn't considered a possibility upon graduation. And I feel like working for a tribal health clinic could be such a great opportunity. And it's something that a lot of us, more of us should seek out. So today I chat with Michelle and we talk about how she got her job working in an integrative tribal health clinic, what that looks like on a day-to-day basis, how she negotiated her pay, how she was able to educate her colleagues about East Asian medicine and foster referrals, And hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll feel inspired to explore similar possibilities in your own career path. So this is a great one. You guys are going to love it. Love it, love it, love it. I'm so excited to share it with you. Here you go. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here today. I am super excited to share all of your knowledge. You have a lot of special, I say special, in unique information that I think new practitioners are really going to love. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? All right. Well, my name is Michelle Jean Champion, and I went to Samurai University in Los Angeles to get my acupuncture license in California. And um, prior to that, I ran therapeutic wilderness youth programs. I have a bachelor's in environmental education, group dynamics, and outdoor recreation. And I really went the therapeutic route with that. And so a couple things happened to transition me into into acupuncture. One of them was that I was into extreme sports and and had a, a really major leg injury. And a couple of days before the injury, I was in the water surfing and I met this woman who was in acupuncture school. And then when I injured my leg, I was poor essentially and didn't have insurance or anything. And so I was uh, applying for insurance and scheduling to get surgeries and all of these things. And I was young and and I thought about that woman and I, I went back to the school that she was going to and I found her and I got a treatment from her and her teacher. And it was really actually a spiritual experience because I, as soon as I got up off the table, I could like stand and walk and my body was, my body and mind and everything was just in a completely different space. And it was the right space. It was a healing space. So there was this miraculous healing that I experienced. So from there, I went on to do my life. And then my my grandpa, I went to LA to tend to my grandpa at his end of life for end of life care. And there was an acupuncture school down the street. And so, and it was Samra. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to go to school, punk rock DIY, get like, learn how to use the medicine on myself. And just kind of get to know the medicine a little bit, take a couple classes. Well, four years later, well, three and a half years later, I was um, sitting for the state board and I I passed on my first try. Um, (laughs) California. California is tricky. It it was a tough test. And then during the time that I was in school, 
I'd gone back to one of the camps that I worked at, the youth camps, and fell in love with one of the builders who was building some yurts that I had actually been part of initiating to get staff housing. And he lived up in Northern California in um, in Willits, actually in Mendocino County. And I, so I, right after school, needed to get out of the city of Los Angeles. And I'm grateful for it holding me there for all those years. And then, and then I moved up to, to Willits dude and I broke up, but I'd already started my practice, found really great friends. Actually, here I am like almost 15 years later. And one of those friends from the, my initial practice is still my best friend. And she lives, she lives on the property here with me. So I had my clinical practice, private practice in Willits and Laytonville, very rural communities in the Emerald Triangle. And I did that for like 13 years and then met my current husband and him and I wanted to start somewhere fresh, but still kind of be close for friends and family. So then we bought a house in in Lakeport, Lake County, California, which is about 45 minutes east of Willits and about two hours north of San Francisco Bay Area. And um, we sit at the base of a of a volcano, Mount Konaktai, and on the shores of Clear Lake. It's the largest natural lake in California. And so it's really, it's a really majestic area. And when I when I moved here, I knew that I didn't want to continue in this private practice model that I was in. I was exhausted and I'd done it. I was done 13 years of, you know, private practice. So I, I, I went to all of the hospitals and clinics and kind of, again, that spiritual experience. I stepped foot on, on Lake County Tribal Health grounds, the campus, and just knew I'm going to work here. So I put in my application and I actually initially applied for the youth lifestyle coach position, which because that was available. They did have an acupuncturist there. He was only there for one day or three days a month and he lived really far away. So no one even knew that he really existed there and he just had a very small practice. Anyways, a year went by, COVID started and he wrote me this amazing letter. Oh, I didn't get, uh, they told me I was too qualified and they didn't need a, an acupuncturist for too qualified for the youth programs coordinator position. So a year went by and I, by that time I'd already kind of started a haphazard, not haphazard, but you know, like a, just a small private practice in my home, seeing a couple patients in Lakeport and I still had my practice in Willits. So I was commuting. And then when COVID hit, the acupuncturist that was at Tribal Health, he was ready to retire and him and I had befriended each other and he wanted to pass his practice on to me. And he even told me that he kept his practice for so long because he didn't have anyone to pass it off to. And he was afraid that someone would come in who, who wouldn't treat his clientele with the compassion and love and care that he did. And him and I are very similar in many ways. So it was, it was an easy transition for a lot of his patients to start seeing me. So here I am. I've been working at Lake County Tribal Health in Lake County, California for a year and four months. Nice. I love this story so much. And I, it's, it's actually really cool because I didn't know the first, the very first part, like uh -huh. how you became an acupuncturist. I'm always jealous of these stories because I have no miraculous story about how I became an acupuncturist. I just did. <laughs> I just, I was in massage school and I was like, well, this, this Eastern theory stuff is kind of cool. Someday, someday I'm going to go to acupuncture school. And 20 years later, I went. So yeah, that's like the, the Wu Wei, the like do nothing, the just, yeah. just be on your path. Yeah. 
And another point too that I love because I love synchronicities is I want to say this to the listeners, like when I first met Michelle and I was talking to her, we were talking about where she lived and where she was practicing. And this town, Laytonville, is a town of what, like 500 people? It's so small. It's a blip. It's, <laughs> it's so small. And you guys, my dad lives there. <laughs> my dad had a house and a business in Laytonville. It was so insane. So anyway, that was fun. So, okay. So this is super exciting because how many people actually work for a tribe? How many acupuncturists do you know who have integrated or made it like are working with tribal health communities? Well, there's one. I haven't done as much reaching out. And I think that this podcast and just our, the conversations that you and I have had have inspired me to kind of reach out to more of them. There are a couple acupuncturists at tribal health community uh, clinics around the country. Um, but here locally, we have the Indian Health Services. There's like another a Redwood Valley Tribal Health Clinic. And it's a very small clinic and there is an acupuncturist there. His name is Marlon Press. He's And he's been there for like 20 years. I think he actually is, re uh. is, is retiring or just retired. And so someone right when I started working at Tribal Health in Lake County, someone reached out to me and asked, or he asked, he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted his two positions because he also worked at the health clinic in Laytonville. So that position is either filled or was recently filled or will be filled nice. in, a, in the next couple months, next month or two. Yeah. So beyond that, I don't know much. And if I, and I have researched the Indian Health Services governmental websites and they have an auricular therapy acupuncture program, but I haven't really been able to, to research, well, I haven't taken the time to research and kind of go further down that route. It's been an interesting year of just finding, figuring out, getting myself yeah. to where I'm at now. <laughs> well, and you're just getting yourself comfortable too. Mm -hmm. And I, and, We'll talk about it later, but there's been a, some changes with your with Lake County Tribal Health too that you're growing with, right? Yes. So we'll chat about that. Before we go on, I for the listeners, I just want to let you guys know that Michelle and I are coming at this topic with the most open hearts possible. And we want you to know that we are not perfect and that our languaging around BIPOC people of color of it the American Indians, the languaging has changed a lot. And so by all means, nothing that we say is intended to be offensive. We hope that everybody understands that we are human and doing our best to respect everybody. So you feel good about that, Michelle? I anything to add to that? I totally do. I think we're really entering into a new era of understanding here in the United States as to culturally, cultural sensitivity. And I am in my 40s and I am super glad that I'm flexible and still just learning and humbled so often. So yeah, thank you for bringing that point up. I know that was a, a little bit of a, of a um, it's always a little bit, makes me a little bit nervous because I'm such an empath and I, I just, yeah, I want, I want to nurture. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's really fascinating because I can see Michelle <laughs> and <laughs> both of our eyes are watering because this is something that we definitely are both very like obviously sensitive about. We really do care. And so just know that we're doing our best. 
Okay. Okay. So let's see here. This I find this extremely exciting because I want new practitioners to know that this is an opportunity that they can go out and create and grab. And so I want to cover everything that Michelle's... Pro- I want to cover all of Michelle's process and hopefully inspire some more people to reach out to these communities and be of assistance and serve because our medicine is so amazing. Obviously, you guys know that because you practice it. So Michelle, tell me a little bit. So you approached the tribal health. Tell me about the hiring process. How is it different than being hired? Did you have to go through a bunch of background checks and stuff or is it is it just whatever? It's just a job. It, there, it was definitely a pretty rigorous, uh, yeah, I, I, I got interviewed by the board and I also had, like, it seems like the, just so many synchronicities, the few people that I really met and got close to in Lake County, even though I moved here during COVID and was like the new kid at school, couldn't play anyone, with anyone. But the new, the people that I did meet here were all intimately related to tribal health. And so, uh, yeah, this is... Does that answer your question? Oh, oh, let me let me keep going with that. So the so and then I did I did a I was actually hired like a month and a half before I even started doing training or anything. And the training was a lot of the standard like I went through all the HIPAA, I went through all their certifications. Uh, I learned how to use their charting system. I kind of got the tour of the campus, and there was a cultural sensitivity training, which was sufficient to get me going. And I'd like to revisit that at some point because I think that, well, as we, as we have our discussion, you'll see how, how I interact with and work with the tribal community here as an acupuncturist. So tell us a little bit about Lake County Tribal Health. Mm-hmm. So Lake County Tribal Health spurred, spawned, it came out of some a part of the governmental funds set aside for tribal health through Indian Health Services. And what happened is that the six major bands of Pomo Native peoples around Clear Lake, Clear Lake is huge. It's like 60 square miles just of surface water. And it takes about an hour and a half to drive around it, an hour and 40 minutes to drive around it. So it's it's a pretty big lake or an yeah, 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, an hour and 45 minutes to drive around it. And so there's um, six local tribes, Big Valley Rancheria, the LM Indian Colony, Middletown Rancheria, Robinson Rancheria, Scotts Valley Band of Pomo Indians, and the Upper Lake Hebimatoel are the six bands in this this region of the tribe. And they banded together to take their allotted funds for health care because they, they each had like a doctor that would come once once or twice a month and just check in on people. But some of the elders got together and banded the money together to create Lake County Tribal Health Consortium. And at first it started as one little office and then it grew into a large building, which is now the medium-sized building on the main campus. And at first they only served the tribal communities and they were getting this set amount of money and in no time they outgrew the building that they built and realized the breadth of services that they could be offering tribal members they could be supporting their community with and so the the board the CEO the CFO 
this yeah this COO they're they're really radical and they're they're very much compassionate business people so what they proposed to the tribal members and some loved it some not so much was that if we open up services to medical and partnership low income residents of the county and state essentially then it would increase the revenue in the clinic tenfold this is a, a consortium i'm not I, it's not it's not nonprofit it's a for-profit organization i don't know the exact classification of it but i do know that it gives a lot back to the the community even beyond the tribal communities so they opened it up to uh, partnership and medical and then there was this whole new revenue stream for tribal health for care for the for the members of the tribe and so it's the way it's set up is really fascinating now because Non-native people can come and receive the services that we have there. We have dentistry, behavioral health, pediatrics, obstetrics, chiropractic, acupuncture, physical therapy. Uh, Let's see, I have a little list here. We have general family practice medicine, uh, all kinds of community outreach, drug and alcohol, child and family. And then there's some specialty clinics just, just for the tribal community. And those are um, diabetes, weight loss, behavioral health, pain management, quit smoking, opioid and drug abuse. There are a list of benefits specifically for the tribal members that non-tribal members don't have access to. Do you want me to go and say some more of what those are? Or Sure. Okay. Yeah, we're here. Yeah. So, right? so there's Native American patients at tribal health have all these extra benefits. And aside from the the options that I just told you about, there's also, they also have uh, transportation. So we have people who can come and bring you to your appointments in county and out of county for medical visits. There's massage therapy. And then a lot of the specialty programs are just for tribal members, places where they can be safe to explore and heal. Like the some of the programs that I just mentioned, diabetes, weight loss, behavioral health. There's men's support circles. There's women's support circles. Really cool. There's two big gardens. One of them has a CSA that goes to the tribal families. And they have like an online cooking show that they do with them. There's even a preschool just for tribal kids and they they practice the language and start to really immerse and learn some of the the traditional ways through the lens of uh, of that that institution of preschool um which is a really really radical foundational <laughs> yeah it's foundational really foundational right? yes foundational that's amazing i did a deep dive last night in my research and was looking at the IHS website and the the funding to see if there were if the clinics around here, the Native American clinics, the American Indian clinics around here are funded and what type of just how they're doing, like what what amenities they have for their tribal members and stuff. And it was really fascinating. Some tribes are really flourishing, obviously, just like everything in life, right? Some of them are just flourishing. And some of them are just so incredibly poverty stricken, like really not because they list their finances and such, not extensively, but just an overview of how they're doing and where they've invested their money and what their resources are. 
it was really interesting. So I love that these bands have come together and created this amazing resource. I mean, that's kind of jealous. <laughs> that's really good. And it opens up so many spaces for uh, acupuncturists to go and be a part of uh, different facets of healing in these situations too. So do you have anything else on that or are you, have you completed that topic? Well, I think there, there's, there's some more things I'd like to say on that topic. One of them is that's kind of where we've been where we're at right now and where we're going, I'd like to address that. Where we're at right yeah. now is, is we have, we have our, our main campus, which is the one I work at here in Lakeport, which is a 15-minute walk from my house. It's so awesome. And then we have also like off, off-site offices here in Lakeport. We have um, our pediatrics, obstetrics, and then we also have um, a billing and we have some storage. And we also have on this main campus here, we also have, we're also building there's, there's two more building sites. One of them is, has already had ground broken and they're building a state-of-the-art parking complex and a job skills training facility. So they're going to be doing all kinds of job skills from like apprenticeship style, um, utilizing the space and um, people out in the community. So everything from like construction to bookkeeping to management, management skills. And so hopefully further down the road, you know, a lot of the tribal members, uh, more tribal members will have the skills to be working in and running their clinic. So that's one piece that's happening on this campus. Um, The other piece that's happening on this campus is there's a big lot that hasn't had ground broken, but, and I'm, and I'm just kind of starting to be part of the conversations on that. And what, what that is, is that's going to be an integrative wellness center. So that's where I'm going to have my office. And I, I, I'm really excited about that. What I know about that so far is that it'll likely be like physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture. And then I also would like to and hope to see um, massage therapy and eventually an herbal apothecary in there. And likely the herbal apothecary would be, because we've had some discussion, but nothing's set in stone, would be just for tribal members for free. And then non-tribal members can pay for whatever herbal prescriptions they, they get. But that's, that is not solidified or even like guaranteed it's something that i that i have been it's a seed that i have planted so we shall mm-hmm. see where that goes the other thing that's going to happen at that new part of the clinic is that it's going to be a specialty clinic so we're going we live lake county is very rural and it's very poor it's one of i think it is the poorest county in the state and kind of ranks up there nationwide too and a lot of that is because it is a retirement community there's not a lot of opportunity for higher education. And it's kind of an interesting, because it's between the five and the 101 corridor. So it's like people just kind of pass through there. There's not a lot of industry. And the lake itself, it's not really polluted, but it's a, it's a eutrophic lake. It's only like 20 feet deep at its average depth. And so the sunlight hits the bottom and there's a lot of like plant life. So by the middle of summer, the plant life is all like kind of dying off and it's it stinks and the water's blue green and like there's a lot of plant life. It's actually very like it's teeming with wildlife and the bird migrations are amazing. It's a really lush, lush place to live. Oh, the specialty clinic. So the specialty clinic is really neat, right, for a rural community because we're going to be bringing in 
podiatrists, nephrologists, uh, pulmonologists, all of these specialty doctors will have them come in like a couple days a month and to share this space so that we can so our patients can be meeting with these. There's two hospitals in the area and we have we have really good working relationships with them as well. So we do a lot of cross referral with them, but we're we're also they're also really stressed because it's a it's a rural community. So we're also kind of taking some of that burden of primary care off of their plate. And the really exciting news, drumroll, is that in June, we are opening a whole brand new clinic on the South Shore of the lake. And this is amazing. We just got to, the whole staff had an admin day where we tour, got to tour the, the new campus. And it's so beautiful and it's so thoughtful. The building itself is just stunning. It has these two towers and like as you move from one side to the other, the kind of blades that stick out change from red to black. There's uh, native medicinal gardens around. The, the interior, the pediatrics department is just fun and colorful and everything's really thoughtful. And there's artwork and murals and uh, that are very educational about you know, what the tribes are and how this clinic came to be. So pretty, that's really exciting. So I'll be there one day a week. You're yeah. selling this, by the way. You make me want to work there. <laughs> it's so great. I'm, I, um, I'm blessed. Yeah. 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 I'm super jealous. It just sounds so, so, so amazing. So tell me, are you working as an employee or are you an independent contractor? How, what does this look like? Great question. I'm an independent contractor. So that looks like I, um, basically I have my own practice under the umbrella of tribal health. However, with that being said, um, so I get paid per client. So if I have like a no-show, I don't get paid for that time. But with that being said, they also do all of the scheduling and laundry and cleaning and patient communication and the medical billing. It's, it's pretty awesome. So it really, when I was in school, Marilyn Allen from the AC American Acupuncture Council. She was one of she was my like fiscal and legal and fiscal teachers, and she always her and I would I don't know if she remembers me. Hi Marilyn, if you remember me, <laughs> we had this thing where we come into class. We had to create a budget in school for what we thought our clinic mm-hmm. would be. Uh, yeah, cost. and mine was like thousands of dollars less than everybody else. And she was like, <laughs> Michelle, you are one of those acupuncturists who are going to trade a chicken for acupuncture, aren't you? And I was like, uh, yeah, likely. And I have. <laughs> um, I have traded chickens for acupuncture. But <laughs> so, oh, you're super excited as an independent contractor because, oh yeah, typically you're, you're responsible for all of those things as an independent contractor and time is money. Yeah. So you're not having to do all this stuff that yeah. you don't like to do. Yes. And the other thing that Marilyn said was, Michelle, you need two hands for acupuncture. One is for business and the other is for acupuncture. And I was like, oh, hell no. no. <laughs> uh-uh. Well, yeah. it was true. And that was, I'm, I'm not a businesswoman. I can do it. And I floated my practice and I was able to create a really humble, awesome life for me for 13 years in private practice. But to be able to show up to work and have both hands reaching out for for the practice of acupuncture is transformational. And that's one thing that I never did in my private practice. I never hired anyone else. I always did it by myself. And there's no regrets there. But, you know, and I always had one room. And so, but I, I would say that 
know, knowing what I know now, if I went back into private practice, I would likely try to have a business partner who did the business end and, and I would have more than one room. <laughs> yeah. So right now, hindsight, hindsight. right. Things are different now too, because you can hire like a VA or you can hire a bookkeeper and you can hire, you can hire the little things out because we've got, if you want to do social media marketing, you can hire that out. You know, those things that take up all of your mental space, a lot of your mental Mm -hmm. space. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't do much computer stuff, but so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a really, I don't have a very active online presence, but let's see. Yeah. So independent contractors. So the thing with that, which is fascinating is you, so you control your schedule too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I have, so I am the acupuncture department. Everyone else yeah. does like peer reviews. And when the peer review, peer reviews come up, you know, I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm, shall I <laughs> look back? Like I have to really reflect back because yeah, I don't have anyone to, to mirror with. Yeah. So, but as an independent How did you- con- Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did you negotiate your pay? What things did you take into consideration mm-hmm. when you were negotiating your pay with them? Yeah. Well, when I first got hired, I what I did is I talked to the my predecessor, the acupuncturist Tom Cummins. I talked to Tom and I was, and I and I asked him what his advice was, and I just went with his advice. And he had been at Tribal Health for like 15 years with the same pay. And he's very, very humble and, and really like him. He just is really simple and beautiful and humble and very, very, yeah, simple, beautiful, humble. Like I really appreciate him. And he loved his work. And so he was getting $55 a treatment. And he told me that he was getting ready to ask for 60 before COVID hit and he thinks that he could get it. And so he said he thought I should like go for 60. And I was like, well, in my mind, I thought that's actually a great price because guess what? I won't be doing laundry and scheduling and cleaning and overhead and all this stuff. And it is actually a great price. And so I recently renegotiated my my pay because I've been there for more than, I wanted to wait a year and kind of just prove myself and see what, understand in my heart and in my mind what the true what my value was there and and so what I so as the year went on oh this is a good part so I had to I built my practice I literally had to what Mm. I did is I I called all of his patients because he was only there one day every couple weeks and I Mm -hmm. was there I started with one and a half days which was a full day with two rooms and one day with one room and then that filled up in like Less than a month, I was booked out three weeks. So I was like, okay. So in my mind, I made this schema of like schematic of like all the different rooms in the building that I work in, which is just physical therapy and chiropractic. There's, you know, so I, I, I kind of reorganized everything so that I could be there four days a week with two rooms each day and presented that to the board. And they said, yes. And then I was there four days a week with two rooms. And right. And that, and it's been a year since I did that. And now I'm booked out two weeks. So I have a really high volume clinical acupuncture practice. I'm not doing herbs. I really do. I'm not doing herbs. So, um, which is, so I'm back to like practicing with one hand because I realized now that my other hand was herbal medicine. And so the one thing to know is that I work in rural 
America and I work in a very impoverished community and I'm working with Medi-Cal partnership with state funded healthcare patients. And so I have many no-shows. Like yesterday I had 14 people and I only ended up seeing eight. I think my average is like eight to 12. Some days it's it's 14. One day it was 16. One day it was four. Mm. The weather makes a big difference. Just all, all kinds of things. But the, the main... The main piece is that my patients, a lot of my patients are are impoverished and there's a high amount of drug use in this county as well, methamphetamines. And so many of my, I have a lot of no-shows and I have a lot of cancellations. And so that I, that I hadn't, I didn't know and I didn't take into account when I said, oh, $60 a treatment. So the reason that that is, that it, there's a lot of reasons beyond just poverty and, and life circumstance. Uh, it is life circumstance. A lot of people have transportation issues, especially with COVID. That was really challenging. A lot of people don't have the critical skills to keep a schedule. A lot of people have never had access to, to medicine. And so they, they don't show up for medicine for themselves. They don't know how to show up for themselves. They don't understand that showing up to an appointment, you're not only showing up for you, but you're showing up for the people who are caring for you, which is not only me, it's it's the whole staff. It's the, I mean, our receptionists, our maintenance, our, you know, everybody, our security, everyone on the, um, you come onto this campus and everyone greets you, smile. It's really amazing. And then they're not showing up for the larger community because each, or they don't know how to show up. They don't understand that showing up for an appointment is showing up for the larger community because in partnership, there's like with, with state-funded insurance, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm just going to throw out some random numbers. Don't quote me on this, but we get like, let's say we get like $300 for a, pay, a treatment from insurance. Mm-hmm. And then some of that goes to the clinic. Some of that goes to the receptionist. Some of it goes to the maintenance. Some of it goes to the security. Some of it goes to the acupuncturist. Some of it goes to the tools supplied. So each appointment is contributing to the larger whole as well. So when my when I have patients who don't show up, I think of it as a part of their medicine. And I really think for me that as an independent contractor that it's it's part of my role to 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 cultivate this sense of compassion for the self and compassion for others in my patients. So I think that that's a really big piece of, so I, so I talk with them about this openly, like, Hey, I'm going, you know, I want to, first of all, I want to make sure you're okay. And then let's, let's talk about, you know, what, what this does. So if if you can't make it or you're, you know, you're the type of person doesn't make it to an appointment, then let's, let's just have you call in the morning and, or, you know, or, and see if there's a, a cancellation or, or I can, or let me know and I'll, I can squeeze you into my lunch break or stay a little late or come in a little early. So I'm really trying to just work with as an independent contractor, like control my schedule in that way. And I also have a, a new staff member who works in the medical department who is kind of like my, my new assistant. So she's going to be calling patients to remind them before, before mm. also. So, Cute. so the renegotiation of my pay after, after learning all of that, uh, now I'm making closer to what the average going rate is for a, a private acupuncture treatment here, which is anywhere from like 65 to $85. So somewhere in the middle of that is what I'm making. And I work four days a week. I can take right. time off. I have to ask for it two months in advance. And I can 
and I, you know, I can see up to 14 patients a day. So ballpark, I can, I can really set if I want to make anywhere between like 120 to 150,000 a year, which is really amazing. It's it hard is. work. It's hard work. It's, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it takes a definite mindset and some skills around because you can't get mad about them not showing. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting mad, you have to get love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting mad and being like, you're messing with my money, you have to be in a different mind space. So has that taken some work? And how did you, was this just part of the learning process? Like, oh, I'm going to have to shift and expand my sense of my money, my love, my healing energy, etc. Mm-hmm. How did that go? Yeah. Well, I don't really, th- I've taken the money equation out of it because I know, and I think it was true in my private practice that no matter what, this practice supports me on the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the financial, the social, on all the levels. I'm, I'm on my, I'm in my Tao. I'm on my path. I'm on my way. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm doing it in my, in my way. And so I feel supported and it's so nice to have that support. And that support really allows me to support other people to just to pass that support, that type of unconditional Mm -hmm. love and support on. I feel very supported by the place that I work. When I approached my, I, so I, I work in the medical department. Uh, That's the department I work in. And I'm, I'm technically under the pain management umbrella. Mm-hmm. But all the other clinic, all the other parts of the clinic have have found me, and so I'm starting to get, or have started to get a lot of pediatrics, a lot of dental, a lot of behavioral mm-hmm. health. I'm working a lot with the quit smoking and drug addiction program and weight loss. And how did that come about? How were you? Did you have to educate in the beginning? Did you have to? Did you feel like there were walls? Did you? You know, how did you integrate? Not so sure. I love that word, but how did you how did you integrate with like the Western medical docs? And do they refer to you? Obviously, they do at this point. So, what did that look like? That is a great question because that has been a really great learning curve and just really fascinating to work in an integrative an integrative clinical setting. So, when I first started, yeah, when I first started, I didn't get any referrals. And quite frankly, didn't feel well. No, I felt very welcomed by by the clinic and very welcomed by my the management. And I feel like a lot of the my peers who are doctors and physicians assistants and nurse practitioners who are providing the primary care in the clinic, I felt like they just didn't know me or what to do. And so one day I had this talk with my medical director, who's um, Dr. Andre. Pierre Lalonde, and he is a rheumatologist, and he's actually the um, the chief medical officer now, and he, he's fabulous. I, even before, so before I started, I you know I checked, I would check with the I Ching, and it was like do nothing when I first applied for. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's it was right. the Wu Wei thing again, like the do yeah. nothing, do nothing, just wait. I, so I put in my application, and I just waited and talked to people, and kind of like I I became a pa- patient at the clinic, all that stuff. And I Ching also said that. I will have challenges. It'll be challenging to be accepted, but I will have a a champion, someone who's like really rooting for me. And I really feel like that is my medical director in a lot of ways. 
So early on, I went to him and I was like, you know, I, I need to break through this barrier, this, this uh, veil of mystery that I have around me and this medicine. And he came up with it. So every first Wednesday of the month, we do admin day, administrative day, where we're, the clinic is closed and we're all just in meetings in our departments. And then we come together for a whole staff, a whole everybody meeting. And then we have time to kind of do charting, kind of do the extra things we want to do. And he said, well, let's do something called the acupuncturist point. And you'll get 10 to 15 minutes every admin day to do a class. Awesome. That yeah. was what broke the barrier is being able to get to present to them. And I, I mean, I'm I, my first couple days at work, I was like still wearing like, uh, like I think I wore fishnets to work one day and like a hot <laughs> shirt or something. And I was just like, okay, Michelle, tone it down, tone it down. You got this. Like, you know, you're a little bit more professional, you know. And, um, and so, so it took me a while to like find my professional. It took me a while to kind of like level up and like get to like, understand how to present myself. But that was great. So I've done I've done plenty of presentations, um, case studies, cupping demonstrations. Each season, I talk about the seasonal aspects. I've talked a little bit, like I'm starting to bust into the like Taoist roots of the medicine, which is really, really great. And kind of tr- just trying to, to translate what the medicine is for them and really show them how they can how, how, who they can send to me. So when I first started working there, the patients that I would get were the mysteries, the patients that were enshrouded in a veil of mystery. Those are the piece of people that they'd send to me. They'd be like, I don't know. You don't want pharmaceuticals. We don't know what's going on with you. Fibromyalgia, dermatitis, inflammatory bowels, you know, those <clears throat> things that can, can mimic so many other things. And they would send those people to me. And then those people would go back to them and be like, oh my gosh, who knew my headaches are gone and I can digest food. And, and it was just two treatments. And so they started hearing this and seeing me present. That's really the only time I see them because I work in a different building on this campus. But at the new campus, I'm going to be um, working in a pod or sharing an office with a lot of the primary care. So that'll be exciting cool. to further integrate. When you give your um, presentations, what's the room feel like? Is it a room of like, uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. You're crazy. Or is it like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I think oh, that's for the, interesting. Yeah. For the most part, for the most part, people are interested. I think yeah. that I can present the information in a way that that um, puts them at ease and makes them more comfortable with something so so foreign. And I think a lot a lot of my patients don't want to be on pharmaceuticals. And so I think that now I'm really starting to be seen as an ally not that i was seen as a adversary 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 not that i was seen adversary. as an adversary but that it was just it was a mystery they didn't know what i was <laughs> they didn't I know like, what to do with you blue, how do we use that, that person what is that <laughs> yeah um yeah. and then now i feel welcome now i feel as as a peer now i feel a lot more understood and so i'm getting really great referrals that they, they know who to send to me and and how how I work with them and I'm also now starting to actually work with different practitioners on some very specific cases so yeah. kind of yeah. some of my like little specialties and interests are kind of coming up and one of the beauties of Chinese the beauty of Chinese medicine of East Asian medicine is that it meets the person where it's at and if we can balance the energy in the system, 
as like the root of the treatment, then our patient will be supported and everything else will be that much easier, all the other healing. And then I can also treat the branch, which are the signs and the symptoms. And even if I I don't have a diagnosis, I don't know what, if they have leaky gut syndrome or candida, you know, what's going on, I could still treat the overall person, the root, and I can treat the symptoms. And then as, you know, as we learn more about our patients and, and establish that rapport and understand their individual physiology, then I can go deeper and and really get some good healing. It's hard without the herbs. I can refer people to herbs. So some of my patients are on herbs that they get off the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, I mean, I just want to touch on this briefly because I know I have listeners of all different interests and man, wouldn't it be amazing if, if somebody could go in and do a, like some sort of review of how this all works together to create another working model of how this works together so that we can recreate this wheel. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That was not very, that was very bumbly and inarticulate on my part, but hopefully you got one. Exactly. And that's, that's, it is bumbly and, and inarticulate because we are, we are as a profession, most of us are not of Asian descent. And so we, we are still learning. We are still remembering what this medicine is. And then we have this new thing that people don't remember. They're just learning is the Western medical paradigm. And so even if people are like of European descent, there's still traditional medicine. There's still herbal medicine. There's there's still the the remembering of those medicines. And I think that's one of the reasons why acupuncture works so good in a tribal health setting is that it's an ancient medicine. It honors spirit. It honors connection to earth and heaven and and wind and lake and fire and water and mountain and thunder <laughs> which is i which is why i think that it is exactly just such a shoe in such a position like uh, perfect positioning for acupuncturists to work for tribal health clinics but i also feel like that would be sort of like profiling to go in with that as your like, I want to get a job here because I present earth medicine. And you're like, yeah, are we there? Like, that's probably not your starting point. Yeah, but definitely. And it wasn't for me. My starting point was, okay, here, this is what I have to offer. What do you need? Yeah. What do you, Mm. you as a community, what do you need as individuals? What do you need? Yeah. Um, This is what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. And how can I help? Yeah. So what do you see mainly? What are the what are the challenges that your patients have? Is it is it a specific mm, well you've got low income or poverty people who are challenged? Yeah. Well, there's a what lot do you of treat. I treat amazing amounts of obesity and diabetes and pain and anxiety. Okay. Like uh, yeah, yeah I, that, that's it. That, that's the word yeah. that I could find was uh, yeah. <laughs> um, where I was in my private practice. I was in a town that was really funded by, cannab- it used to be the logging industry and then it was the cannabis culture here in Mendocino County in the Redwood region, Emerald Triangle. And so I, I was treating the, like a, a lot of cash payment. I never accepted insurance ever in my mm-hmm. private practice because like I said, I'm not a businesswoman. That's one more thing to add that I don't, don't do. 
And so I was, I was treating people who were, who already had body wisdom, who already had access. There was, it was a really agrarian society. So there was an access to a lot of clean, fresh food. It was a a more eclectic and affluent neighborhood while still rural or community in Willits and Laytonville where I live. So there was um, ways to creatively express your inner, your inner self. So there was, so that alleviated a lot of the overall anxiety. And, and in this, this county, Lake County, there are, there are those things here. There's food, there's awesome food, there's uh, outdoor opportunities, there's arts, there's culture. But I think that there's the people that I'm working with don't know that they have access to it as an overall blanket general statement. And so the community the community supporting the individual is not as prevalent here. And so the, these are kind of the ailments of that disconnect from community and that disconnect from nature, which I really see as being a big, those are like the two biggest ailments of our time really is the mm-hmm. disconnect from nature, disconnect from community and disconnect from self. Yeah. What style? This is a beginner question. I, I, I It's really fascinating <laughs> to me, oftentimes practitioners who give case reviews or case studies that they're, you know, they're talking about what they did. They refuse to tell you what points they used. You know, that's never in a case study. Like what points did you use? Mm -hmm. Or it's not never, but rarely because we all just go, well, you're going to take a look at it. You're going to decide you're educated. You can do it. But Mm -hmm. I'm even as like, I still consider myself a beginner. I'm still curious what people are doing. So what what style of acupuncture do you use with your patients? I love Zong Fu. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What is Zong Fu? Oh, Zong Fu. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Zong Fu. <laughs> I do so, know what that is. It's organ disharmonies, essentially. Yes, yes, like, yes. I, I love Zong Fu. I look at which organs are out of balance and how can I balance them? Internal, right. pretty external, traditional. Like the, the eight, the eight. Well, I'll start with the yeah. eight principles, right? My first, my first visit is really. I mean, I, I just start with the eight principles. Yeah, I start with yeah. that. I keep it simple, and then the next treatment, I, I, I can under, I can see how they responded to the medicine, and then I know more about where in which organs the imbalance is, and then I work with imbalancing the organs, and then there's also this other thing that's kind of like this hybrid westernized form of of acupuncture that I do. And I don't know if there's a name for it because I haven't actually ever studied it under anyone, but it's like the points, <laughs> like the influential point of bone, the influential point of, of uh, you know, sinews and tendons or anything in the front of the face, I'll go here or, you know, anything in the back of the head, I'll go here. You know, it's, it's um, LA4, SA3, GB34. I have, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Insights of a Senior Acupuncturist by Miriam Lee. But by the, yeah. and I actually did study with her once, but by the time she was done with, or the, by the time she was at the end of her very long acupuncture career, she's one of our elders who has, who really is a huge part of, of what, of how, why I get to practice this medicine here on this land. By the end of her practice, she was only using like 10 points and she was doing a ton of bloodletting. Yeah. So to answer your question, Zongfu, uh, you know, so yes. keep it simple. And then I also, the modalities that I use, I do a ton of cupping, a ton of cupping. I do a ton of bloodletting. I like gua sha. I have a heat lamp. I have an electrical stim machine. I also, I have a couple other, I like 
side specialties. I am an herbalist. Uh, a little piece of history is that I managed a fi- uh, well, a 25-acre uh, farm and garden that was also an herbal, st- a Western herbal studies program for many years. I lived there and ran the gardens and was a teacher in the program. And so herbs are a big piece of my life and it's really challenging to not be practicing them right now, as you've heard yeah. me say. But, and um, out of that, one of the things that came up for, one of the practices that came up for me are flower essences. Mm-hmm. because I feel like that, well, because they are herbal medicine for, for the emotional body. And so I do have the original Bach kit of flower essences and I've used them maybe on like five or six patients yeah. um, who are more open to it and I can explain it to them. And so I, I would like to really approach, that's one of, you know, one of the, the next pieces is approaching being like really utilizing, approaching my, um, my medical director with really utilizing that in my, in my practice. So, yeah, I am so glad that I asked that question because I think as new practitioners, well, I'll speak for myself. No, I won't. I'll speak for other people too here because I've had, <laughs> I've had conversations with other new practitioners and, and there's, there's always this like, well, they've been in practice for 15 years. They must be using some sort of other magic than the magic that I know, right? And, or they know so much more. They must be doing tan and tongue and like, and scalp acupuncture and all of these things. They know so much more. And so I love the fact that I asked that question and, and you're just basics. You're just TCM and not just, but I love that you... That just reinforces that we're enough, right? As a beginner, the things that you know, what you learn in school, you're enough and you can do this too. Mm-hmm. So I want to shift real quick because you, I, I know that you've studied specifically, and this is also a passion of mine, is uh, the, da- the Tao of Trauma with Elaine Duncan. And this is such a... American Indians have such an obviously history of trauma and ancestral trauma. Tell me a little bit about your studies and have you been integrating this knowledge and where you see this integration of this knowledge going in the future? I get really stoked about it because I've done some training myself and I just want to do workshops. I want to figure out how to, how to help as many people in the community as I can with this trauma training. So talk a little bit about, about what you've been doing there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just such a, a poignant time to be in the in the position that I'm in, because the one of the buzzwords in healthcare right now is trauma informed care, without a doubt. When I first started practice, it was like I would meet the people where they were at, and then eventually, you know, and then eventually I would be like, oh, okay, you know, there's some trauma here underlying. And now, 15 years later, I approach people with the supposition with the the idea that there is trauma underlying underlying this whatever their imbalance is and i think that individually and collectively trauma is exponentially growing in in the the human collective psyche the collective nervous system and so that's one of the reasons why the flower essences came up is because i that was one of the things, you know, I think in school we were missing a lot of the business end and I, which thanks for bringing this podcast because I know that's a big focus of this and you do have the right to speak for others because AccuSprout is the voice of, of our, of the new generation of acupuncturists or one of the voices. So thank you for that. But 
I'm teary-eyed again because this is a really important. This is a really important topic. Is is this trauma-informed care? And I and I wonder. I often wonder: was the trauma always there, and I just didn't see it? And I think that yes, that was true. That as a new practitioner, there was a lot of things that I I didn't see, but I was still treating them. And I think that's why the flower essences became so important in my herbal medicine work is because. That's the other thing that acupuncture school doesn't provide us with. And that is the ability to work on, or it, it provides us with the ability to work on the five spirits, you know, Zhu, Po, Shen, Hun. But it, I, I don't feel like I had the proper understanding and the proper base out exiting school to really work with the emotional body. And I think that that is one of the original tenets of this medicine that was lost when Mao Zedong did like, you know, whatever revolutionized or kind of opened the the doors and like sent Chinese medicine out into the world through like the condensed cam Chinese acupuncture and moxibustion book, which is anyways, long story there. But so, so one of the, so one of the things that I did to counterbalance this I never put much energy into learning business. I kind of just winged it. But I did um, work a lot on learning how to work with the emotional and the spiritual bodies. I have... Um, so one of the things was the was the flower essences. I studied with um, Patricia Kaminsky and Richard Katz from Flower Essence Services in Nevada City. And then I also in... Was it... When did the book... So there was a book called The Tao of Trauma by Elaine Duncan with Kathy Kane and... It came out in 2019 and it is a practitioner's guide for integrating five element theory and trauma treatment using polyvagal theory and somatic experiencing, right? And so I'm going to say that again, polyvagal theory and somatic experiencing. So polyvagal theory, just to, to break it down, make it really easy is that there's this zone of resiliency, which is an inhale and an exhale, parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system. So you see these two lines that are like an inch part and there's this little wave that goes between them and it's really regulated. That's the regulated nervous system. And then we have a dysregulated nervous system. And I think that's where this like inherent, this like now what I'm supposing is an inherent trauma in the larger psyche and the, the more the individual the dysregulated nervous system where it's like, it's up and down and it's out of that zone of resiliency all over the place. Uh, Well, I think that's one of the gifts of acupuncture is that it brings the nervous system into the zone of resiliency. I often call it nonverbal psychology because people, so often you've probably experienced this. If you haven't as a new practitioner, you will. And just know that it's around the corner is that people will cry on the table. You will release a barrier. You will do LA4, liver three. You'll, you'll needle the four gates and that grief that's held in the large intestine and the anger in the liver, those points kind of like clean those filters and that residue will go out and the body has to process that residue. And it's cleansing and it's it's a beautiful thing. And I just just hold that space and know that it's coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Tao of Trauma is really amazing in the way that I've been able to... Uh, so I'm in the year-long cohort right now and we haven't been able to do anything in person. We're going to have our first in-person meeting in Ojai, which I'm really excited. In June, it's a, it's a year-long program with five weekend-long meetings and it's, it goes over the five elements. But So basically, it's a lot of understanding neurophysiology, the five-element theory, and applying 
um, somatic experiencing, which is holding. So we learn a bunch of different holds, how to hold the brainstem, how to hold the kidneys, how to encourage a patient to find where they're experiencing that anxiety or that emotion, and just asking them for consent to put our hands on that space and using our energy, our medical qigong to move that energy and to process that energy while still honoring the person and honoring the experience, but bringing the zone of resiliency into a place where the person can also just honor that that's part of their experience without it dysregulating them, without it incapacitating them, without it activating them or causing them to feign. Really great work. I think a, an, actual, an actual treatment with just Tao of trauma work would be for me is usually like two hours and it's a lot of hands-on and just holding and very, it's like holding space literally. But in my clinical practice, because I'm doing fast paced clinical acupuncture, <laughs> extreme acupuncture. Uh, <laughs> it's not, I have, I have, I could have three rooms an hour, but I choose to have two because I feel like I could still sink into it. Um, but the way that I integrate this is that I, I train patients to hold that space for themselves to self-resource and hold their organs and hold the space, like take the time to check into the body. Where are you feeling that anxiety? Where is the dysregulation? And just hold it and see it between your hands in the physical body. So I'm also in, or I, I took, uh, you guys, there is a course, she has a course on net of knowledge, uh, yes. Elaine does. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm taking it, I'm finishing it up right now. And it's absolutely, it's like the very beginning. It's sort of like the precursor to what Michelle is doing, but it's, it's, it gives you a multitude of skills because what we definitely lack is the human interaction, the languaging, the respect of space that somebody with a traumatic background might need. And we often, it is trauma-informed care that we need to be more aware of because when you walk into a treatment room, where you stand can affect a person and you don't even know that. How you're moving around them can affect them and you don't even think about that. I'm not trying to like make you guys overthink every part of your treatment. But what I am saying is if you get a chance, even if you just take this course that she has, next time it's up, it's on uh, Net of Knowledge, I think is the name mm -hmm. of the website that it's an incredible class. And um, I do hope to bring her on as well uh, at some point because she's one of the few people who is, who is teaching this type of care. And we do need to fill in some of those gaps in our training for sure. Yeah. And she is the, she has been for a long time, the acupuncturist at like Walter Reed Medical Center. So she's specifically yeah. working with vets. So much yeah. like me working specifically with the tribal community with really, with really fresh, fresh emotional wounding and ancestral mm -hmm. wounding. That's how she developed this mm -hmm. by integrating the most recent work in neurophysiology. Yeah, exactly. polyvagal theory. That's, that's where I started and that's how I found her because I was like so fascinated with the polyvagal theory because it gives so many people hope. So you guys, if you're, I, I don't know, we may be like way over and boring <laughs> people at this point, but check out polyvagal theory. The name of that book would have been The Body Keeps the Score, mm -hmm. I think is probably one of the best books that you can read about the polyvagal theory. So take a look at that if you're interested, because I think it's, it's very important work. And yeah. it is a really great 
basis of where to start your treatment when you walk in and you see a person, the person in front of you, is to sort of just assume that there's some sort of trauma because we all have had some sort of trauma. And then hopefully they don't, but it's a, it's a really good place and great information to have. Yeah. I love the, the metaphor or the, the whatever comparison that a, a rabbit can get chased by a fox and like nibbled on a little bit and then it hops off into the forest and the next day there it is again just like eating grass comes back to the same place drinking water eating grass enjoying the day hopping along because they were able to process it let it go and return to their zone of resiliency and i think that humans we do have the hardwiring to be able to do that it's just re re it's just strengthening and or reorganizing our neurophysiology our, our nervous system mm-hmm. to be able to do that every everyone mm-hmm. responds to trauma differently and if there is a lot of trauma it's harder to do that and that's probably mm-hmm. true for most people so mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely great skills there so before we go i our la- uh, last topic that i want to talk about is cuz i i know that new practitioners or any practitioners can be really interested in this what does loan forgiveness look like? So you said that the the clinic is a, is not a nonprofit. So there's that's not available. Is there a rural um, practitioner situation? Because I know, like in the Western medical field, that if you work for rural communities, you can get a certain amount of loan forgiveness as well. Do you have any of this? Is it any of this working in your favor? When I first started working, I did look at it and I found some things like independent contractor and some of the things about the way my clinic is organized, it, that I couldn't do it, but I'm still looking into that, not very actively, but I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question still. <laughs> I should figure that out. Yeah, um, I, I did a little uh, research last night on it and it's because it's, an, it's not a nonprofit, that one's outruled, but there is this rural, this funding often that can be given to practitioners who choose to work in a rural setting. And I forget what that foundation was. But I do think that mostly because you are an independent contractor, unless you, your business is a nonprofit, which you might be able to do that. I don't know how you would do that. Is to reestablish your own business as a nonprofit. That could be potentially actually work in your favor. Something. Oh yeah, you live in California. That all gets very complicated. Uh Your business structure is super complicated. Yes. (laughs) B corp. Yeah. Okay. So that's just something to take a look at for new practitioners or anybody who may be interested in in trying to work with uh, a tribe in a tribal clinic. Yeah. Do you and have I, anything else? I have oh, two more things. One of them is, is I'm just going to take off on what you just said. So working in a tribal clinic, when when you and I first spoke, when you first reached out to me about about this, we, we've had some really great conversations. But one of, one of my goals and visions is to encourage acupuncturists to reach out to tribal health clinics in their communities and offer this medicine there. And, and, and this podcast is great because now I can just be like, listen to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, what I feel like, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I yeah, feel like we covered, we covered all of the things that I, that I wanted to share. And I really want to encourage you to 
as a new practitioner to look in your area, look who's already providing healthcare, reach out and, and, and integrate into the Western medical world. Bring your medicine. It is needed there. And I also open myself up as a resource. Uh, you're all welcome to contact me. Let me know if you want to talk about it. I'd love to share this experience with anyone who wants to hear it. <laughs> the second thing I want to bring up is that uh, there's one more piece at Tribal Health that's really exciting is that as kind of coronavirus restrictions are winding down and as I'm getting more comfortable in the clinic and people are getting to know me, I'm actually have been invited to teach in the gardens class. So I'm going to teach a, a healing salve workshop. I'm going to do a plant walk and I've um, introduced a ton of or maybe like 15 different um, native medicinals into some of the gardens there. So I'm actually outside my office is a spiritual garden. It's a four directions garden. And um, so I'm, I'm working with the garden manager to really, to really utilize that and establish some of the sacred POMO. The POMO people are the people that I'm getting to work with. And they're just really just a lovely, lovely tribe of people. Some of their uh, plants, which are mugwort and angelica, nettle, St. John's wort. Yeah. So kind of, uh, so I've, I've integrated a bunch of the medicinal plants from actually yarrow, actually taking, like bringing them from the wild into our cultivated gardens at the tribe. And I'll be starting classes with that. I want to do flower essence class. So that's really exciting that I'm kind of starting to kind of branch out and, and that seed is starting to sprout. <laughs> so that's, I want to jump in real yeah. quick and say that's yeah. super exciting. We had, um, so I went to Ocom and we had plants on the roof of the building. So it's in Portland. It's, it's, you know, in the city and we had a Chinese herbal garden on the roof, which was super cool. But you're right there with Peg Schaefer. Yeah. Right? I actually took her program maybe like 10 years ago her Chinese medicinal herbal studies program. And it was more of like a farming, it was more, yeah. more geared towards farmers because she's a oh, farmer. Yeah. She's not really yeah. an herbalist, but it was, so I, so I already understood a lot of the farming, but it was such an amazing thing to just meet these, these plants. And I really loved yeah. the way she farmed. It was pretty like pretty hands off. And she kind of like, she didn't baby the plants. She let them like mm -hmm. experience those it, she let him get chased by the fox and experience those pressures, you know, those, those <laughs> right, like, yeah. stresses that really make us make medicine. So that was, that was, um, that was a great class. I highly recommend that class. So Peg Schaefer is in Petaluma, mm -hmm. California, and mm -hmm. she has a Chinese herbal farm where she grows Chinese herbs. So yeah. Chinese medicinal herb farm. And she also has a book. Yes. Yes. So. Oh, and the book is beautiful. I have uh -huh. book. Yeah. So there's just another thing for you guys to chase down when you have time. <laughs> All right. So do you have any reaching back into your 13 years and trying to remember what it's like to be a beginner and where you're at now? Do you have any words of wisdom or inspiration or encouragement for the new practitioners? Yeah. Keep it simple. Breathe. And reach out to other acupuncturists and listen to the podcasts. And if there's a teacher on a podcast that you really feel connected to, reach out to them. Have have a teacher, have a mentor. It's really, yeah. it's really, really important to have a mentor, to have a teacher, I think. I think it so can too. be so lonely in, in private practice. Just so lonely. So don't be alone. That's why I do this. That's why I do this podcast. 
to, because that's the way that I felt. And I still feel that way sometimes. Like we need more mentors. We need more people. And I think when you're new, you're a little afraid to reach out and ask for help or reach out and introduce yourself to somebody that, that you're inspired by. So thank you for saying that. And thank you for offering yourself up for answering questions to the practitioners. Everything will be in the show notes. So we'll definitely get some links there for Michelle. And I do have one, one more piece. I'm yeah. so sorry. I know we're, we're just, we could talk for no, hours. No, this is we great. We are doing it. So my private practice, what happened to my private practice after I started working at Tribal Health, I just recently, a year and four months into it, stopped seeing private practice practice patients completely. Like I'm no longer seeing private practice patients, but I do still have my space and my office partner, who's my best friend from my first acupuncture office, her and I keep the space and she's a a love and intimacy coach. So she does uh, a lot of telemedicine. And um, so we're keeping the space and it's a healing arts co-work space and classroom setting. So we have, so we're opening it up for other healing artists to rent it kind of by the hour and then we're trying to pack the classroom schedule. That way I could still like have a, a private space to, yeah. to do treatments and teach classes and share the knowledge. But it's a different, a really different business model. So I think I, so cultivatewellnessstudio.com is the, we're just getting ready to launch that, but that's the, uh, cool. the website for that. I think that's pretty smart. That's, that's definitely seeing where you can be of service because there are a lot of, like I'm constantly looking for a space like that in Bellingham because I love the thought of like I did a um, transitioning with the season of spring according to the Dow class at a yoga studio and that's perfect but I really want to do some of this polyvagal trauma recovery workshops and teach different ways of regulating your nervous system like through singing bowls or breathing meditations or yoga nidra like I really want to bring that. So having a space like yours would be amazing. Somebody in Bellingham needs to open that up. So work. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. So that'll be in the show notes too, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you, Michelle, for giving your time and all of your energy and information. And you truly are inspiring. It's really exciting what you're doing. And thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you. Forever teacher, forever student. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. We'll see ya. Thanks. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.